Yo, what's good, everyone? Back with a new episode of Badass Asian Dudes. I have a really, really special episode for you guys this week. This week, I had the opportunity to chat with Sabo Shen and Brandon Chen, two super interesting, insightful dudes with a lot of knowledge to share. They run a podcast that you guys should check out. It's called Happy Asian Males, where they talk about all sorts of stuff like business, psychedelics, fitness, mental health, and a lot more. All stuff that I'm super interested in. They're also both entrepreneurs. Sable Shen is in the cannabis industry, and he designed his own vaporizer. We get into that on how he created his vape on the podcast. Check out his company, Vape Exhale. You can find it at vapexhale.com. I would definitely buy a vaporizer from there if I was in the U.S., but unfortunately, I'm in Korea. It looks pretty dope, and I think it'd be pretty sick to try it out. Brandon teaches self-development through Olympic-style weightlifting. Really interesting stuff. Check him out at theartofselfalignment.com. My conversation with these guys was quite eye-opening, and I learned a ton. I loved getting to know these guys, and I'm sure you will too. We talk about a whole bunch of different topics, and you guys will get to hear about what they do and how they get started as well. Some other things that we talk about are entrepreneurship stories, including mine, psychedelics, Asian masculinity, feeling fulfilled in your life, and a lot more. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. Just before we start, please share and subscribe if you're enjoying the show. If you're really enjoying it, please leave a five-star review. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. And lastly, I have a Facebook group, Badass Asian Dudes. Just go on Facebook, search Badass Asian Dudes if you want to meet other like-minded people. Thanks again, guys, and see you guys soon. What's going on, dude? Oh, man, life is good. It's a happy Friday. How about yourself? You know, I'm here in Hawaii right now, actually. Just woke up in Hawaii. Ah, oh, beautiful. Automatically adjust at microphone Okay, settings. this is cool. So, sorry, we're just setting settings on Zoom. No worries. Oh, look at you. Look at you here. Brandon, what's up, dude? How's it going, man? Good, man. Good. We haven't met, but uh, I'm I'm just here along for the ride, and I'm sure we'll get to know each other. A no, bit. man. That's I, I think your guys' podcast is awesome. Thank Seriously. you. You know, like just finding you guys on Reddit, that post, and... You know, I was like, yo, I vibe with these dudes. Like, I need to reach out to them. Dude, That's how it happens, man. You found us on Reddit after your post? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Sabo, man. Just like, he's just, I'm going to post this thing here, and then we'll just see what happens. I'm like, okay, okay. Sabo, well, was that your first time posting about your podcast on there? Like, what? how do you guys advertise that. your podcast? You, you know, um, we never advertise our podcast. It just kind of grew. Yeah, we actually, I mean, when we started it, we had no goal other than he was, a, like, for, like, five years, I would ask any Asian male that I thought that was interesting if they wanted to do a podcast. Yeah. No one ever said yes, and then okay. uh, he did say yes, so I was like, holy shit, you know, we, yeah. we found the guy, we found the guy. I, I had done a podcast with my best friend, too, so we had okay. I had some legs on it uh, already. Just uh, kind of like working through, like, what do I say? And just, just go with it, you know. Like, it just—that's what people love hearing—is like just flow of conversation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like natural kind of like conversation. Just like what people talk about kind of every day. Dude, well, so was, I saw you guys have you guys have a lot of episodes. So you guys have been doing this for a while. 
Yeah. Yeah, we're, I think we're up to episode 50. You know, there was a period where we were doing them every week. Then, um, you know, I, I run a startup and Brandon also has, he'll tell you the story, but he, he's done like so much like different shit. So sometimes like our schedule is in a line and, you know, we, but it's something that one of the reasons why we love doing it is, you know, you have the digital nomad lifestyle. Yeah. I'm unfortunately a traditional entrepreneur. So like, I just been like working all the time. And the only time I see friends is like when we do a podcast together, okay. you know, it's like, so we set it up. Like, it's like a meeting. We get to hang out for a couple hours and, and actually get to vibe and hang out with each other and, you know, do something other than work. So for sure. Yeah. So all you guys' podcasts, you guys do it in person. You guys do it mm-hmm. like, Oh wow. Like once or twice we've like done a Skype, but the energy of sitting next to a person that's just kind of how it's worked out for us. Yeah. But we definitely like doing it like this. This is fun for us too because it's novel, but it also gets us into practice with our tech skills because we always forget we're not like that good at getting all of this set up. So we're like, yeah, we're getting better at it. Dude. Okay, cool, man. So first, Sabo, first tell me about like your entrepreneur journey, your life journey, like where you're from, like how you got into creating this vape company. All right. So uh, thank you very much, Chris. So my name is Sabo Shen. I'm the CEO of Hanu Labs. Uh, prior to that, uh, we had another company called Vape Exhale, which made desktop vaporizers. But for myself, um, in 1997, I discovered cannabis in college. Um, my roommate was always trying to get me to consume cannabis, but I just, for whatever reason, you know, I grew up in the eighties. Um, I would see all these commercials about how, if you tried marijuana, that'd be a gateway drug. And then you'll be shooting up heroin, you know, weeks after you tried your first joint. So I really stayed away from it. But, um, ultimately I was, uh, in my third year in college you know, I realized like, I'm not going to make it onto the UCLA football team, even though I was like working out every day, I was drinking like three or four, you know, thousand calorie weight gain powders every day. And I was like, one day, you know, I'll just walk onto the field, they'll be impressed by this five foot eight, 225 pound Asian dude, but I never got above 145 pounds. So finally, in my third year, I was like, you know what, I should start enjoying this college experience. I took a hit. And man, not only did I enjoy the feeling of cannabis so much, but it really, it was like rocket fuel for thinking. Like I loved thinking about all sorts of different things. And not only did it turbocharge my thinking, but it was the first time it took me out of my own perspective, which was, you know, Sabo's always right. And everyone else around me is just not smart enough to keep up with me. And as I was speaking, I was able to actually see myself in the third person. And I was like, who is this super annoying intellectual narcissist, right? So it also gave me like this extra set of self-awareness that I previously didn't have. And the only thing I didn't like about the cannabis experience was having to smoke it. So I started researching different ways of consuming cannabis in a healthier manner. And I arrived on vaporizers. So I bought my first vaporizer in 1997. From 97 to 2010, I bought over 200 different vaporizers. Uh, my wife was like, you know, the garage is getting full of these, you know, she calls it the vaporizer graveyard. So um, she was like, hey, I think maybe this could be the next avenue that you take in life. And at that point, I had worked for, I think, four companies, four startups. They all had successful exits. 
I myself was excited to watch my bank account grow, but there was no fulfillment, you know, like just like that post, I was like, who has experienced success without fulfillment? You know, that was me. And that's when my wife too. I feel like that's me as well. And that's why I wanted to talk to you today too, you know? So, um, and anyway, so long story short was, um, I'm not an engineer, even though I'm Asian, but, um, we just, uh, we put together a, a small little blog and I said, I wanted to design the world's best vaporizer within a year. We had over a million hits and it was just engineers from all over the world telling us different ways of thermodynamics, laminar flow, all things that I didn't know, but I compiled all those notes. I took what was the best out of it. I gave it to a mechanical and electrical engineer and they helped me design this product that it was basically like a square box. Uh, made of metal. We took it to the 2013 uh, Seattle Cannabis Cup and we ended up winning, you know, and that was basically the impetus for us uh, being able to start a company. And, you know, in 2013, there was, you know, the cannabis industry uh, was very much in its nascent stages. Like we didn't know if we would have legalization, but I just figured, well, I'm always telling people do what you love. And um, here I was working at a tech company selling software, something I didn't love. So I figured, Hey, I need my actions to be congruent with what I'm saying. So I finally jumped in and, um, man, it's been a crazy, crazy journey, but obviously, um, uh, 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 each state started legalizing, whether it was medical or recreational. And now we have a really healthy, thriving business. And for us, or for me specifically was I always wanted to help more people, you know, and, it could be help them with academics or for their professional life or in the case of utilizing cannabis, their health, or maybe even their spiritual practice. So I feel very much uh, very grateful for, you know, dropping out of law school and then really uh, focusing on the cannabis space and doing something that I loved. Sebo, that is a crazy, crazy story. I think for me too, I love smoking weed. But for me, it helps me really relax. So I like to do it right before I go to bed. And I think that vaping is the best way that I like to enjoy weed as well, because I feel like it is the healthiest, you know, just like smoking a joint or something like having like, I don't know, like the smoke in my lungs, like that kind of just scares me. So vaping, it's always been the way that I've always wanted to smoke. Yeah, I always tell people, you know, I'm not like a vape Nazi or anything. Um, However you want to consume cannabis, that's up to you. But I do feel like vaping is, it's the best compromise between something that allows you to very much meter out your dosage. Um, You know, like when you take edibles, sometimes I feel like it's Russian roulette, you know, an hour later, you might just want to go to the moon, but you're on Jupiter, you know, but (laughs) with vaping, you know, you get that same type of fast onset that you would get from smoking, but, um, you know, way less tar and carcinogens. And, you know, that's why we did focus on vaping as our delivery methodology for cannabinoids. Yeah. So you, in your story, you talked about how you set up a blog and then you got people to collaborate with you. How did that happen? Uh, So um, the, there was a forum called, uh, believe it or not, fuckcombustion.com. So that was like the, the nerdiest of like vapor nerd websites. So basically, I just put a link um, on that forum that I was trying to create the world's best vaporizer. And, you know, just like on the internet, everyone wants to be the smartest dude, right? So we just had all these engineers from all over jump into the thread. They would sometimes collaborate with each other. Many times they were arguing with each other. 
And I was just, you know, just taking notes, you know, and because I had bought over 200 different vaporizers, you know, there were some things that they said, I was like, okay, this makes perfect sense. And then there were other things where I was like, I don't know if this makes sense or not. But the interesting thing about developing vaporizers is that the first vaporizer, um, the engineers that we found, this was just a, a, a buddy of mine's his best friend. So we worked on it together and it worked out fine. But by the time we created our second vaporizer, uh, we had procured the services of these um, uh, multidisciplined engineers out of Israel. And I remember like they showed me all of these like thermodynamics and laminar flow charts. And they were telling me all my suggestions of what we should be doing were counter to what the simulations were showing for more efficient heat transfer. And what we came to realize quickly was vaporizing cannabis is just as much of an art as it is a science. So even though that they had models that showed the efficiency of the heat transfer, well, when you're smoking a joint or taking a bong rip, not everyone inhales at a certain speed that is congruent to those tests. So we needed to really figure out um, different ways to consume cannabis that might not be what the um, models were saying to do, but, um, you know, the, I guess the real world experience of actually smoking joints and, and taking bong rips. So it was pretty interesting that, um, and I think this is why it's so hard for other manufacturers to create really great vaporizers is that, you know, you could do all the math and figure out all the different ways that air interacts with heat and then applying the heated air to flower and concentrate. But if you've never smoked weed before, most likely the result isn't going to be a great user experience. So that's why we, we kind of refer to it as, you know, making vaporizers is part art, it's part science, and it's part having fun. Yeah. I, I really love the idea that you found this forum fuckcombustion.com and then you posted this question and then just random people on the internet just total strangers to you they just collaborated with you and just put out ideas and helped you i love that and i think that's very common like now amongst a lot of entrepreneurs like who have no idea like what to do with the next step or what to do in their business you can just put out questions like hey can anyone help me with this and people can just collaborate and give you ideas on what to do yeah. I mean, it does give me a lot of confidence and faith in the world in that, you know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, how people are always very self-serving and wanting to help themselves. But, you know, you find these internet communities where people are more than willing to help a hand. And that's why when I found your community or when you found me and then I started checking out what you were doing, I was like, man, this, this community that you're building, it's super duper important. Like we just got off we just did another podcast with an individual by the name of Terrence Ching. He's an Asian man, a gay Asian man who is in the field of clinical psychology, specifically looking at psychedelics. So, you know, um, without the internet, I don't think there would have been a way for us to like fully connect or Brandon actually saw him uh, give a talk, but without the internet to be able to get together, just like we're getting together here in Hawaii, you know, and being able to talk about these topics and then ultimately being able to disseminate it to people and help others. You know, I find that very, very attractive. Yeah, I feel very, very lucky that we are growing up in the age of the internet where we have these forums or these communities where we can find other people, other like-minded people to support each other and help each other. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, not, not to turn it around on you, but... Um, 
you know, badass Asian dudes, really cool Facebook group. I, I've only been a member for, I think, three weeks now. I, I've seen it grow um, exponentially. You know, I, I invited Brandon. Once I saw it, I was like, Brandon, you got to check this out. They're doing some really cool stuff over here. Um, he's been more lurking and just kind of like listening okay. in. And I've been really heavily participating. But, you know, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and, you know, being a digital nomad? I think these are all things that are really interesting to myself, too. Yeah, for sure. I've always been into reading books uh, and specifically self-help and business books. So even when I was very young, like in high school, I would read tons of books and I think when I was 21, so a little over 10 years ago, I found this book, Four Hour Work Week. Have you guys ever heard of that yeah, book? Yeah, Tim Ferriss. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a huge Tim Ferriss guy. So I read that book and I was like, holy shit, like this is the dream life that I want. Like I want to only work four hours per week. I want to be able to travel the world and just do anything I want. So just after reading that book, that was just my singular focus for my life. I knew I wanted to create an online business that would give me passive income, just wake up in the morning, like in some foreign country and just have more money in my bank account. So that was like my total dream. So just after reading that book, I just like started doing a lot of research on different kinds of businesses. And I would be on YouTube and just watch videos of other people, other entrepreneurs that had created that four hour work week style business. And there was this one video that I watched and I actually reached out to this guy that made the video and I emailed him. I was like, dude, like, how do you make your money? And he actually emailed me back and we just had a back and forth conversation. And then he was like, Hey, I actually have a course that's coming out. Like, do you want to try it? And I was like, okay, I would love to. And the course was an affiliate marketing course. Are you guys pretty familiar with affiliate marketing? Uh, yeah, I, basically affiliate marketing is when you are selling products that you don't inventory yourself. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it was, I was, it was an affiliate marketing course and I tried doing it. I put all my effort into it, but my affiliate marketing career it, it was just really really bad it didn't work out but because of that course like I started meeting other people that had online businesses and at the time like I met another guy who was doing e-commerce and he was telling me about he was telling me about his e-commerce uh, c company and I was like okay this is something that I can do as well so then I started doing a lot of research about e-commerce and then started to figure out what I should sell and then I actually found this niche that was kind of undiscovered, that was selling really well on the internet and was something that I could sell very easily. So that product was mannequins, actually, fashion mannequins. What? So, <laughs> yeah, so That's I actually cool. have, a, I have a fashion mannequins company. So I've had this company for around seven years now. And my company sells in the US, Canada, and Europe. And because of that company, like I was able to just travel all over the world, live the four hour work week lifestyle and achieve my dream. Like my ultimate dream that I had when I was 21. What? Oh, dude, I, I got goosebumps. Crazy, I don't know dude. if you can see it, but I got goosebumps listening to I, that. When you exchange fashion mannequin for another blank, I was like, make up all these. And then he just went, boom, fashion. I was like, what? This is <laughs> yeah. a very interesting story. 
fashion mannequins. Well, so just, you know, like when I started doing a lot of research about e-commerce, people would talk about what is like the perfect product to sell like online. And what they would talk about is you want a product that isn't very cheap. So like a product that's like a spoon or something or like a fork, like that's like a dollar. Like if you want to make a million dollars, you got to sell a million of those. So like that's like a high volume product. You don't really want to sell that. That's like very tough business to be in. You also want to be in a product with low competition, you know? So like at the time when I searched for mannequins, like the sites that would come up would be the worst sites you've ever seen. They would be like the ugly <laughs> sites ever. And so like, you know, you see those kind of sites and you know that they probably don't know that much about like internet marketing, like they're just, their design is like very poor. And so you can compete against these kind of guys. And then also I wanted a product that's very easy. You know, I think for vaporizers, that might be kind of like a tough product because there's a lot of like different like electronic parts and like things like break. Maybe you have to do like a lot of customer service for something. Oh, yeah. But... There's so much noise in the space right now as well, too. So exactly. you're absolutely right. But you think about a mannequin, it's very, very easy. So like I send a customer a mannequin, like they open the box, they know exactly where the arm goes. They know where the head goes, you know, like there's not a lot of like moving parts. So it's a very, very easy product. No, that's awesome. And I remember listening to a previous podcast where I can't remember who you were talking to, but you guys were talking about how do you decide what you're going to sell, right? And I think everyone's first inclination is what do I like? Or what's sexy and what's hot, yes. you know, and then, you know, oh, kind of yeah. hearing your strategy, I was like, oh, man, that makes total sense, you know, and it's kind of like when I was younger, um, that's the reason why I never competed in math. I was like, man, there's so many Asians that are so friggin' good at math. There's no way I can I could be better than all these like uh, 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 Asians in any of these like math competitions. So where did I go? Well, I started writing poetry and like you know, writing competitions where there wasn't a lot of Asian. So I was always one of the best writers there. And so yeah. it sounds like, um, uh, uh, I mean, do you spend like four, only four hours a week on your business or what, what is the conclusion of this, this um, re online retail business that you've set up? I probably spend less than four hours a week on my business, but you know, we talked about this fulfillment thing and about uh, feeling fulfilled in your life. Yep. And when I look back to when I was younger, I, I think I was happier when I was like really, really hustling hard on my business, trying to get to my goal, my dream life. You know, like when I look back, I was like every day, like I ha I did so much work. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, like I I feel like I crushed it. You know, but now I'm like at my dream goal, like I don't work as much. And so just I don't I don't get that fulfilled feeling every day. So actually, that's why I started this podcast, Badass Asian Dudes, you know, because now I have like a different goal, like I have a different purpose. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like that's really important to have something like that in your life. Oh, man, that, that's so cool to hear. And, you know, I think this is one of the reasons why I was so hyped to do this podcast with you, which is, you know, there's a lot of these very, you know, by any conventional means, very successful Asian guys in the group, you know, and then there's also, you know, it's like, all right, well, 
success has a certain definition, but are you happy or are you fulfilled with your life? And, you know, one of the main reasons why I really value my friendship with Brandon is, and I had alluded to this in one of the posts is, you know, my wife had said, this is one of the most important friendships that I've had or that I made in the last few years, mainly because I have been able to just utilize intellectual horsepower to solve any of my work issues or any other issues in my life. But when it came to having very deep relationships with my wife or connecting with people on these deeper levels or even connecting with myself on a deeper level to understand, like, why do I do the things that I do? Like, for example, you know, after a lot of meditation, a lot of psychedelics, I came to realize the reason I'm a CEO is because I wanted the approval of my dad, like Mm. super bad. You know, like if I cut through everything, it was approval for my father. And above that, I would always tell myself, well, I'm just a self-motivated person. I'm always, always been a high achiever. So that's the story I told myself. I'm self-motivated. I'm a high achiever. I'm going to be a CEO. But now that I realized, you know, that a lot of that inspiration or that desire came from wanting the approval of my dad, you know, then I started realizing, oh, wait, if being a CEO isn't the thing that makes me happy and I'm doing that for someone else, what is going to bring me fulfillment? And that's when, you know, meeting someone like Brandon, you know, Brandon did this, actually, I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, we, we should ask Brandon to do no, a quick intro of what yes, he does. Yes, I'm excited but, to get his intro. Yeah, yeah, and I think this will, like, really kind of close the loop on this okay. uh, circle because I think focusing on um, not what we have done, you know, that's cool, but focusing on success without fulfillment, I think would be a very interesting topic to talk about. That is interesting. That is very interesting. All right, Brandon, what's, what's your story? Um, so I am, uh, an Olympic style weightlifting coach for a nonprofit in Oakland. That's what I do professionally. Uh, but I'm also a big weirdo just on, on the, in my personal life. And that bleeds definitely into my, I guess, I don't want to call it a career. It's sort of a blessing because I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't mean to become one. Uh, I did personal training for, I've been a weightlifting coach for like almost 10 years, but I did personal training for many of those years to pay the bills. So I was very broke for most of that time. So I didn't like make a bunch of money. Mm. It's sort of the reverse. Like I didn't have huge success. I'm only seeing that now because mm-hmm. there's no competition in my, my field. There's not a lot of Asian people coaching weightlifting uh, and okay. specifically not just bodybuilding or like deadlifting and squatting, but the snatch and the clean and jerk, the the one you see in the Olympics. So I deal with a lot of, well, let's just say I have to deal with a that's lot of misinformation. It's that's super very, niche. Yeah, that's very, very Ex- niche. Extremely niche. Uh, but I'm in the business of fear management. I teach people how to beat their fear systematically. So they can do something like, like, whoa, that's cool, but I can never do that. I'm like, watch me change your mind about that. So that's what people pay me for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went through my own personal changes because like Sabo, I did a lot of psychedelics and self-introspection only after I got broken up with or like things failed in my life. And I'm like, oh man, this is really hard. Um, but I didn't have a lot of emotional intelligence until a long time ago, my girlfriend broke up with me, like 2013. And then I found a sex and relationship coach. And she like blew my mind about how I was kind of like a robot. Um, but also this whole time doing weightlifting, I had been trying to get the approval of my dad, who 
my parents were divorced. And so I always just wanted him to acknowledge me as like a mannish dude. But deep down, I was very sensitive. And I was just, I needed for him to notice me because he's very like silent machismo type. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like this strange revelation in the last couple of years that I need to do this out of pure happiness and love instead of like, I'm driving for, to get someone's approval and what I call the revenge success. Like I'm gonna get so fucking good that no one will not notice me. So, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to prove myself to people and they're like, that's cool, Brandon, but I wasn't coming from this place of love. And we talk about this concept called Ikigai, which is the intersection of doing what you love, doing something that serves people, doing something that is useful and is also fulfilling of your time. So we often have like two or three of those, but not all four. So this is all of our quest to do all four. And until I met Sabo through our mutual friend, Gordon, who they met through uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he was like, hey, you two weirdos should get together and just like meet. And I was like, okay, cool. This great guy to introduce us. And then bam, it was just like instant. You know, and that's, that's awesome. when he asked me, do you want to do a podcast? This is even before the first time we met. The second time we met, he got me too high that I couldn't leave. So I had to hang out with him for like five hours yeah. at, a, at a cannabis like back, back room. And I was like, I tried his vaporizer and I was like, holy shit, this is the highest I've ever been. I couldn't even cross the street when we tried to go get food. And I was like, okay, this is also really cool because it's just a funny story to how, how to meet somebody, you know? Yeah. So, so you guys decided to go to a podcast together right after you guys first met or like after the second time that you guys before met? Before we met for the first time, we're just like, let's do a podcast. Yeah, and the interesting thing is uh, Gordon, uh, who is the friend that introduced us, I do jujitsu with them. Um, when he introduced us and we decided to meet up, Gordon had also just moved to Seattle. So when we first met, we didn't even have the buffer or the person that introduced us. So it was kind of like, I don't want to say like an awkward first date, but it was like, all right, we're two people just meeting each other for the first time. We have a friend that said we would get along and yeah. you know, we did, you know, so. That's funny. <laughs> and That's I do awesome. Think, That's yeah. awesome. And I do think, you know, this is why, you know, like you reaching out randomly, like, and yes, I feel like we'll, yes. we'll be good friends for a very long also, time. Also, that's why I love podcasts because, you know, you get to interact with people that you would never really interact with. So that's why I love podcasts because I get to meet you guys, like hear your story. You guys get to hear my story and just get to know. Perfect each other. excuse awesome. for our brains to be like, oh yeah, let's do this. But and then just also, bigger. yeah. Yeah. And then just talk about like big ideas or like big things, you know, and like get in like very deep. That's, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So Brandon, it sounds like, like two, you said 2013, you broke up with your girlfriend. She broke up with me. She broke up with you. And it sounds like that was like a big, like catalyst or change, like in your yeah. life. Like you said, you try to, you, after that, you found like a sex and relationship coach. Like what yeah. was that about? I'll tell you this. So the, the real story was I wanted to get skills to get her back. That's the real oh, story. Okay. Got it. Got in my it. brain, I was like, I'm gonna get so good at sex and mm-hmm. relationship stuff. Cause, but it really brought me back down to all of these like wounds that I had never addressed as like a teenager or, you know, just stuff you just kind of bury deep down, very, yeah. very deep down. And uh, so it deeply impacted my fitness practice. Cause I had just been like, you know, gung ho and just do it or like, don't, don't ever quit beast mode. Ever. And then, I started to become sensitive and be like, you know what, actually, I don't need to do that work that hard. Maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. And then it opened up avenues for me to actually connect to people. 
Mm-hmm. So was this due to the relationship coach or like, was this uh, just it, it something was, that you thought of yourself? I mean, I, I think I, I had excluded a lot of people in my life uh, up to the point of that breakup. And so I kind of was like, I'm not going to associate with anybody who's not going to like drive as hard as me. So I pushed a lot of people away. So it was more out of desperation to like find connection again. And so actually my, my, one of my best friends, Tony, we started a podcast at the same time because he was going through a lot of deep changes too. And we needed each other. And like, we'd known each other for several years working together, but we didn't have any close friends that were guys that we could just talk to. So we used the podcast with each other as this avenue to like express ourselves. We even like tried psychedelics or all these crazy different healing modalities or anything together, just as an excuse to like have a podcast. Mm -hmm. So the podcast was this excuse for us to just get better. And we started sharing it. And then it led us to all different people who were like, Hey, you guys, I really like what you're doing. You should meet this other person. And so we go try, you know, like, I don't know, like floating in a float tank or something because someone recommended it. Yeah. And we just talk about it. Yeah, and that's so awesome. But going back to the relationship part, um, I saw the coach for, you know, several months and she taught me interesting skills and thrust me into this world of sex, sex positivity, mm-hmm. which is an avenue. A lot of Asian guys, they're just like, Nope, I'm on the bottom of the rung in dating world. I'm not even going to address that. This is my lot in life. And it started to slowly change that story. Cause as my body changed through weightlifting, so did my confidence. And also people were like, Oh, it must be because you're lifting weights. And I'm like, no, it's actually because I have feelings again. I'm not a robot. So that was a huge important step because 2017, I went through the training to become a coach after a lot of recommendations. People were like, you should do it. You should do it. Train but to be a sex coach. Uh, well, a somatic sex and relationship coach. Okay. I don't actually practice like the, they have, my partner is, she's an actual practicing coach where okay. she like people hire her, but I had the skills and I secretly do that with people that I'm associated with through weightlifting. Like right. a lot of Asian guys come to my gym and they're like, I want to get strong and buff again. And I'm like, cool. But then they start knowing that I'm the safe guy to talk to their feelings about. And they're like, Oh shit, I have feelings too. So I don't know if that answers the question, but no, that does. What does, what does somatic mean? I'm not, I don't, I don't know what that it's is. It's fancy talk for just listen to your body instead of like, Oh, I have like, I guess you could say most dating science says, here's a list of experiences and things you should say to women like a robot. If not uh, yeah, A, yeah, then yeah, B. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, instead of like, hey, this girl's just flirting with me. She's trying to see if I can like play chess with her. And you're like, hmm, she said A, I'm going to neg her. And then B, I'm not, you know, it's like, it's just all fucked up. It's just a little bit, it's poisonous, in my opinion, when people don't trust their own body. So it's not dating science itself, but not listening to like, hey, that gut feeling says you should do that thing. Or Mm-mm, that's not a good idea. That's all somatic training is. It's like, what's the little yes? What's the little no? Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, okay. So just real quick, Chris, like, you know, because I've listened to so many of your podcasts, I kind of have like this idea of who you are, you know, and like you and I, we read a lot of the same books, you know, like a lot of the guys that you like, like Naveen Ravikant are guys that like I did too. So I was like, all right, this guy's cool. You know, like Chris, Chris is, you know, really bettering himself, reading all the right books. And, you know, at least for me, you know, having read all those things, the missing thing was, you know, like feelings, listening to my body and, 
you know, like I just would read all these books and it wasn't until like, like Brandon, you're like, I was like, what the hell is somatic? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, listen to your body <laughs> and I'm like, well, I play sports. I'm an athlete. I'm in tune with my body. What the fuck does that even mean? Right. And ultimately what I've come to realize is, you know, it's, it's like you get gut feelings about certain things. Right. And I think yes. when you're like an entrepreneur that's trying to be super successful, like there were many times when my body was like, you need to rest. And I'm just like, I'm going to push through it. And I think I did that to the point where I pushed through so many times, I disconnected my mind from my body. So my body would always be telling me things like, you should be hungry, or this person's, this person's weird, I'm giving you a weird feeling. And I would just like disconnect from my body and always just use my IQ instead of my EQ. And man, I, I just got to say, ever since, you know, I started listening more to my body, I'm more able to just tell people no easier, um, not being like this people pleaser. You know, I think I kind of fell into this role of like being like that Asian guy that could be in any group and just kind of very agreeable. And, okay. you know, and, you know, sometimes I would be going against what I really felt, but, you know, I would just in my mind, I'd be like, okay, well, I want these guys to like me. So I'll just go along with this. And most of these, these are like subconscious calculations in my mind. But once I realized I got to listen to my body, then it's like, if I don't want to do something or I don't want to eat that food, I'll just go say it. And I just feel so much better being able to express myself honestly versus wearing like that facade of, you know, the token Asian guy that is super fun to be with in whatever group that I happen to be in. Okay. Sebo, you have just sold me. I need to hire Brandon as my sex and relationship coach. (laughs) I can direct Seriously. you to people who I'm serious. Can. Okay. I mean, so like, yeah. How do you listen to your body? So like, what is like the first step? Like, I feel like that's so important for just everyone in the world. So just how do you help people with that? Man, um, you know, that is such an interesting, I want to be like Sabo, just exactly what you said. Like, I want to be able to like, listen to my body more and do all that. That sounds seriously awesome. And you know what? You actually just took the first step. Okay. You said you wanted to. And that's the thing. The desire has to be there in the first place. So the whole idea with somatic is knowing what your soft yes is. And a lot of times we're kind of embarrassed of that. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're just like, I really like to eat, you know, ketchup and mayonnaise together mm-hmm. and in this particular way, knowing your actual preferences and if, and versus what you're cultured to do. So, I mean, Listen to each other, you get a good feeling. Like you can feel the hairs raise up when someone says something that you vibe with, or you can just feel empty when someone says like something very robotic where you're like, that just seems like they're just saying it to say it. Mm-hmm. And listening to those little hints, you'll be like, oh, my, I'm a receiver. I am actually, oh, there's a lot going on. Like that, if I feel like not doing something, that is a soft no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I got to do this email because this person said that, you know, they're, they're good business opportunities, so I have to just do it. And it's like, maybe, but it's like a really hot girl that I really have wanted to talk to. And I talked to her and there's not anything going on except, but I have to, have to like conquer it because she's a hot girl and I'm an Asian guy and I'm very insecure about that stuff. You know, that I spent a lot of time in that way, but I'm like, you know what? I want to talk to girls and laugh with them before I ever have sex with them. That was my actual preference. And I would blow past that because I was supposed to be this type of guy 
And same thing with my fitness. I'm like, I'm supposed to achieve and like do all these heavy things and or lift heavy weights so that I can be like a certain way and perceived instead of like, you know what? I want to lift because it's fun. So fun is like kind of like it's a weird way of saying if it's not fun, you don't want to do it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And so like, are there like exercises that can help you listen to yourself more or like meditation or I guess maybe like psychedelics? It sounds like you guys are really big into psychedelics. Yeah. Well, you know, I think psychedelics is a great way of just kind of like breaking through your, your own bullshit. And, you know, if you don't have access to psychedelics, you know, at least for me, you know, this is one of the major breakthroughs that I had was, um, I, are you familiar with like um, the Enneagram by any chance? No, I'm not, but uh, I would how about, love to learn. Okay, how about uh, Myers-Briggs? Oh, yeah, yeah, Myers-Briggs, okay. yeah. So Enneagram is like a different version of Myers-Briggs, but it's not so focused on like what you do for work. So my particular type, which is type 7, is like the eternal optimist. And uh, what's great about my type is we're always upbeat. We're always kind of like the center of attention. We're always like that like sprinkle of positivity um, okay. to whatever group and we could like just I think lift that's me people up. I, I think, think that so might too. be me yeah okay I think so too I mean there's a lot <laughs> there's a lot about you that I'm like man he's like you know a 10 year younger version of myself okay. that's better looking and taller <laughs> uh, I, I'm really kind of intimidated by this guy too um but all kidding aside um you know so always being upbeat like what I came to realize was um always being upbeat I was cheating myself out of negative feelings. And why would you want to have negative feelings? Well, for example, I've been running this company for five years now. Every year it's done better than the previous year. And um, it started getting to the point where I was like getting so used to having good news that I was like, I don't know what it would take to get me excited. Like some stripper needs to jump through and just be like, we just okay. sold your millionth vape and, you know, it just had to get greater and greater. So um, the story that I'm going to tell is when my dog passed away um, two years ago, you know, I started to grieve for my dog. But then I started thinking about all the positive things like, oh, you know, my dog, he was a pit bull. He's never had to like be in a fight. You know, he's never been abused by, you know, their owners like some pit bull owners do. And he's had this really great life. But the truth is, I really wanted to cry, you know, but when I felt like that feeling of crying, I would just distract myself with positive news. And that was actually what the person that did my Enneagram told me was when you're positive all the time and you don't allow yourself to feel negative things, then if you're the delta between your normal feeling and the positive feeling gets smaller and smaller. If all you're doing is focusing on positive experiences. If you have a negative experience, then your whole range of emotions is much larger and you could better contextualize it. Right. So that was actually the first time, like every other funeral I've been to in my life, I've never cried. I just was like, my grandma lived till she was 90. She has like 30 grandchildren. She had a great life. And let's celebrate her life. You know, that's kind of like how I rationalized it in my head. As I got older, I was like, am I some sociopath that is just never cries at anything, no matter how bad the news was? And then when I finally allowed myself to cry for my dog, you know, the way I described it to my wife was it was like one of the happiest positive feelings I ever had, which seems very weird while you're crying. Right. But it was like so cathartic. And it really made sense to me that by allowing myself to feel the full range of emotions, 
when I have just small little victories in my company now, I could like fully celebrate them, be very grateful and have gratitude towards what's happening. We don't have to be like the apple of the cannabis space in order for me to feel successful. And it just really made me um, much more like a happy Asian male. And, you know, like, like when I stumbled upon badass Asian dudes, you know, and, you know, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but when I first saw it, I was like, this is cool. You know, there's like a lot of like really accomplished guys here. Um, I'm going to try to learn as much as I can from everyone. But, you know, I just wanted to throw out, it's like, well, what about those guys that have accomplished a lot, but still have this empty feeling, you know, there's another step to this. And I now kind of like what I think in my head is step one is you have to become a badass Asian dude first, because there's some certain things about like self-confidence and self-worth that I think only come along with accomplishing something like Brandon's like this awesome strength and conditioning coach, you know, I've been a part of like successful startups. So, you know, that part of me is satiated. But now, you know, what's the next phase? It's kind of like what yes, you're asking. Yes, exactly. What is the next right? phase? Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. So I don't want to say the next phase is becoming a happy Asian male, but, you yeah. know, maybe a fulfilled Asian male is the next step, which is, all right, we got all the requisite foundational stuff out of the way. We're confident. We know who we are. We know that society maybe doesn't look at Asian males the best, but I'm still okay with that because of all these things that I've done. Now, what does Chris really want to do? Or what does Sabo really want to do, right? And then those are the questions that sometimes can be really scary because a lot of what we've done is either just following what our parents did or for me, it was to do exactly the opposite of what my parents wanted to do. And neither of those things were congruent with the true Sabo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's really interesting. I've never really heard about like really felt feeling your negative emotions, but now that I'm thinking about myself, I think that's so true. Just like in my head, like I've always tried to think like whenever I have something negative, like I try to turn that into like a positive and like not really feel that negative. You know, like, have you ever heard of the book, like, Obstacle is the Way? or by, Ryan uh, Holiday, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I yep. think I've always had that kind of, like, mindset, just, like, whenever there's a negative event, I don't feel the negative. Like, I'm like, what's the positive, like, in that, you know? But I think I'm going to really try to feel, like, the negative side and really try to, you know, just get that in. Yeah, I, I think in, like, 95% of the cases in the world, having that attitude is the right attitude because it allows you to move on. But when you're going through your own internal trauma, then, you know, you just have to go through that feeling. And, you know, for me, and I'm probably certain for you as well, you know, like just watching how much emotion my dad bottled up inside, you know, I could see how it's affected him. Right. It's almost like, like, yeah, you could get away with like suppressing those emotions for a certain period of time. But just like everything else, you're going to have to pay the piper at some point. So Mm -hmm. for me to be the best version of myself, as counterintuitive as it sounds, that's allowing myself to feel mad, angry, insecure, you know, all those things that I used to feel before I was this, you know, confident Asian dude. And Mm -hmm. just allowing myself to reveal those things because that is the human experience. The human experience isn't always positivity, right? And, you know, being able to empathize and sympathize with others you know, usually you need those skills when they're going through a bad time. And if you haven't been feeling those things yourself, then it would be really hard for you to connect with that person. And that's been the biggest lesson for myself. 
And ultimately, having two daughters, it's allowed me to have way closer relationships to them. You know, like I used to say, I would put myself like I would act like a sensitive guy because I knew like some girls dug that. You know, it's like, all right, let's go watch this movie. Okay, I'll be like the sensitive person so that she gets a certain idea of me. But with my daughters, you know, I realized there's no reason like faking this, you know, like if I could drop myself into that same mindset and try to enjoy the same things that they do, whether it's like a Disney cartoon or playing shoots and ladder or Candyland, then I could have a much greater experience and they could experience their dad at a much more authentic level. That is very, very interesting. This is very, very interesting. You know, because you talk about uh, the human experience, like feeling like sadness or like frustration or anger. Like I, I don't think I... F- I, whenever I have those kind of feelings, I don't think I experience, I try to like experience it. I think I really try to push them away because I think for myself, like I always try to think like, what is like an alpha male? Like what would an alpha male do? Or like, how would an alpha male feel? And I feel like in my head, I think that an alpha male does not feel those kind of feelings. They, they only feel like determination or just like positive like feelings. But then now like talking to like Brandon and all about like the, like the, what is it? What was that word? Scatica? Somatic? Somatic. Just just say like in your, trusting your body. Yes. Trusting your body. Like that kind of thing. Like I'm I'm kind of changing my mindset here. Yeah. yeah, And I don't want to like uh, just uh, take over this because Brandon has a lot, but you know, because I've benefited so much and I think we have these similarities was, you know, I also was just, you know, I'm small, I'm five foot eight, 130 pounds. And, you know, being that type A, you know, kind of male was always like on top of mind for me, you know, me too, like I me too, for sure. And, you know, what I've come to realize was that was actually me being super insecure and scared and then mm. putting up that facade. Okay. And what actually takes more courage and being brave is being vulnerable and allowing yourself to experience those things because those emotions were like so scary for me to feel that I suppressed them and then covered it up with this confident facade. And because so many people love that version of myself, you know, I slowly just became that guy that would always be in a good mood, that would never be the Debbie Downer, that would always spin a negative story into something positive. And because the feedback I got was always you know, great when I was that way, it was just easy for me to have that become my identity. But at the end of the day, if I were completely honest with myself, I'd be like, well, I have all these other emotions that, you know, I don't know if you've ever watched Inside Out, but you know, there's like the mad emotion, the happy emotion, and there's all these different different characters. And I just wasn't allowing the other people to to speak up, you know, and that was imbalancing myself because you know, when you can't authentically express yourself and you're just the happy guy all the time, then I feel like anytime you can't authentically express yourself, you just have some dissonance between your mind and your heart. And maybe it's hard to verbalize, but you just start feeling like, you know, that is me, but it's kind of not me also. You know, that that's kind of how I felt, you know, okay. when I was playing. How did, how did you get to this point of like thinking like, was there like some kind of specific thing or was it when your dog died or how did you 
get well, to you this know, point. I think uh, my dog passing away was a big one, but you know, I, I've been married for 11 years now. And I think that having to work through the ups and downs of a marriage, you know, really push myself to be in touch with my emotions because previous to that, or especially at work, you know, I'm just using like my IQ to figure out how to problem solve, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're using your IQ, it's very good for figuring out what's the ROI for this, or what are my cogs for like building this stuff? And ultimately, how am I going to be cash flow positive? But when you're dealing with your wife or other people, you know, and they have feelings, then just using that intellect doesn't always work. So, you know, my wife would be telling me like stuff that she felt and then I would just kind of like nod along and be like, yeah, 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 that sucks. But I wasn't truly like connecting with that feeling, right? So in order to have a great marriage, you have to like understand the person. So like I was really just trying to push myself to be, okay, don't just intellectually understand it, but like really embody it. You know, like, I mean, now that I say it, like that word embodiment, has the word body in it, right? So I think that's why I benefited so much from it. And, you know, as someone that loves to read a lot of books, I've actually slowed down a little bit on the reading because I noticed that I accumulated so much information. And I love being that guy that would talk to all these different groups about all these things that I've learned, but I haven't like fully embodied those principles. And the one example I always give is, you know, I've meditated for, probably seven years before I ever felt anything positive out of it. But I would always tell people how important meditating was. So even though I understood the intellectual benefit of it, I hadn't embodied the full practice. So now I'm trying to still accumulate information, but it's more important for me to integrate and embody those principles before learning more. If that makes any sense. No, I think that's, I think that's so true. Like I, even for me, like I read a lot of books and then just after I finish the book, like it's probably like out of my mind. Like I don't even like think about it, but I feel like it's so important to just like read a book and then the things that you want to incorporate into your life, you have to like really consciously like try to put it into your life. I think that's so true. I definitely read a ton of books on things because I was scared because okay. I didn't actually want to go through the experience of learning something. Yeah. Because learning sucks in the beginning. And that actually, um, as you're talking about, like, you know, what it, I had in my head, like, what is a guy supposed to do? What is an alpha male? Like, I was very um, honed in on that subject for a long time because, oh, like, really? oh, alpha okay. male girls. Yeah. Like, yes, I, yeah, me too. Okay. I think still I'm, am. Okay. No, it's, it's, it's very normal for a young man to be like, hey, because you can drive hard in other parts of your life, but when it comes down to it, the shame of not knowing how to relate to a woman or a man you're interested in sexually mm-hmm. is like at the root of a lot of our fears, which was the root of my fitness journey. I was like, Oh, I think ads is going to solve all of my girl problems. You know, they didn't, but you know, and I was like, okay, well, what do guys that I think are in charge doing? And yeah. what I, after, you know, Kate, is that, in wolves, the alpha male actually leads from the back. He always sits at the back and the, the female. Before, it was thought the alpha male always at the front. You know, but that means everyone has his back. That's what a scared... They, he actually put the old people in the front with mm-hmm. wolves. Okay. So 
we've had this, I had this backwards image of like, I have to put on the show and bravado. And it's actually being alpha is actually being responsible for a lot of people and taking care of their feelings, meaning like, Oh, I'm scared. And I'm like, I used to be like, don't be a big baby. Just do it. I'm a type eight Enneagram, which is the challenger. It's the one who just jumps in when everyone's dipping their toes. Okay. But I was like, not everyone can be like that. So being alpha male switching to the back, then I started to feel energy from women when they could feel like, oh, this person cares about other people. And then all of a sudden, they would start to knock on my door more than I could handle. And I was like, whoa. Then I had to deal with being able to disappoint them. I'd never had to do that before, disappoint people. Mm-hmm. So that comes with like negative emotions. Like yeah. when you people please, you're going to have to disappoint someone at some point. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good to be like, mm. so, I mean, my whole entire idea of what a leader is has reversed. Okay. And so that, that came with coming back into my body instead of acting from this like robotic image in my head. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to feel like Bruce Lee says it all the time in his movie. He's like, feel, don't think. You know, we all have to go through that where our intellect gets us places, but ultimately your body is super in charge. For sure. For sure. I don't and know if that, that resonated at all, but. No, that does. That does. And also, like we were talking about like psychedelics before, like have psychedelics been a big part of your life as well and kind of the realizations that you've had? They've been the start of me because uh, the type eight Enneagram doesn't like to be vulnerable. That's my, I, so I won't ask for I help. That's me too. Yeah. You that's too? Me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable. You know, like that's, I think that's why, uh, just, I'm, I'm always trying to be like very confident. I'm always trying to f- seem like I know like what's going on. Like I'm always trying to lead, uh, always like if someone like doesn't, if someone's like trying to make a decision and it's like indecisive, I'm like, all right, let's just do this, you know, that kind of thing. So like, I don't like to be vulnerable as well. It's scary. Uh, and, and, and psychedelics are really the first act in vulnerability. Cause you're actually shutting off that part of your brain that wants to control everything for just a couple of hours and you have to face what's really there. And so it doesn't solve all of the problems because you have to go back to reality and construct pieces of your life and practices around what you saw, which is oftentimes like, I mean, the biggest message for me was I was being an asshole, meaning like you're not being nice to people. You're not accommodating like for their levels of fear and like their insecurities or their discomforts. Like you can be better about that. And I had to like set up a lot of practices in my life, which was very difficult and I needed help. And so I had to hire different kinds of coaches and learn from different people, you know, spending a lot of time and resources to become emotionally available to like, wow, okay, I totally get you're scared. And that's okay. We're going to, we're going to walk you through something scary instead of like, don't be a big baby. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. cause that's how I used to talk to myself. So it was this change in the narrative of like oh be nice to the little kid that is scared brandon and join him with the adult that has all these skills and resources with the little boy that was like hey let's go do that fun thing or i like that person let's go eat this thing okay yeah and for me you know psychedelics definitely played a very important role you know like i even lumped like uh, molly's or mdma into the psychedelic realm and i recall i can't remember yeah, I can't remember which podcast it was, but you guys were talking about rave culture 
And uh, we had an episode. Oh, it's Johnny. Yeah. Okay, it was Johnny and Dice. Yeah. When I first started going to raves, um, I think this was maybe, I mean, I'm going to date myself, probably 95 or 96. You know, like it, I was like the only Asian guy there. And okay. I loved it because um, being the only Asian guy there, you kind of like, I was like, oh, this is how Asian girls feel. I'm the exotic guy here, you know? Um, and then like two years later, it just seemed like it was half the rave was just all Asians. Yeah. Okay. And so my hypothesis is that raving is kind of like the first introduction into psychedelics for many Asians. It's the first time that they really get out of their head and yeah. just experience life for what it is, you know, like whether it's just really being into the music or dancing freely in a way where you don't care, you know, like mm -hmm. dance like no one else is watching, you know? And for yeah. me, you know, I didn't realize like, oh shit. In retrospect, I realized why I would rave Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was that <laughs> it was the first time I got to just be myself, you know? And I was like, whoa, yeah. I don't have to act like anyone else. They accept me for being Sabo. And it was such a wonderful feeling. And ultimately, you know, I think having that feeling of that, like someone like myself could be accepted by society or women in general, okay. you know, that was the, the first step in me just really discovering and just going deeper into myself. And, you know, like many other Asian males, it was like, all right, Asian males aren't looked very highly upon society. So what do I need to do? Okay, I need to work out. I need to be a CEO. I need to make a lot of money. I need to drive I think that's me. cars. That's me right now. All of us, man. Yeah, it's, it's all, all of us. us it's all of us. And this is why I love badass Asian dudes because yeah. we're going to talk about all these things. I think, yeah. you know, one thing I came to realize was even though we called it happy Asian males, we got tons of emails from people from different cultures that were like, we go through this exact same stuff. And I think once you start realizing other people go through it, then you don't feel like the shame of thinking that way. Um, like, you know, I, I just remember thinking, man, Asians must have the smallest dicks, right? And then finally, when we had to go shower in high school, I was like, wait, everyone's equally small. Like, this was fucking bullshit, <laughs> you know? So it was you know, cold in the pool for everybody. <laughs> yeah. So I think having these discussions, you know, this is going to be very cathartic and therapeutic for a lot of people listening, especially, I mean, you know, one thing I like about you and hopefully I don't embarrass you, but you're like a good looking Asian dude. You are and, a handsome and, dude for and, sure, Chris. And you're willing to talk you. about your successes as well as your insecurities as well. And I think that's, that's the next phase, you know, like, like we want all of our badass Asian dudes to be successful and confident but we also want them to feel happy and fulfilled and to do things for themselves. And for me, you know, I just, you know, like it took a long time for me to unpack like external achievements and external compliments versus stuff that really makes me feel good internally. Right. So mm -hmm. now that I'm starting to better realize like what I really like to do, like I'm almost becoming like more of a hermit, you know, like I go out less, I'm just gardening with my wife. Those things bring me like a lot of joy and fulfillment. And these are things that, you know, I never share online or, you know, very few people know about me, but it's like these private moments that really make me happy. But I also kind of understand, you know, if you are an insecure Asian male or feeling like society, you know, puts you at a disadvantage, then of course you got to do all those things that we just talked about, you know, try, try on the alpha male hat. Try on being uber successful, you know, do some things that you feel accomplished 
And, you know, maybe those things will make you feel fulfilled. But many times when you start realizing, okay, I hit my goals, I'm not fulfilled. There's something deeper within me that I need to address. And I think that's what we're all trying to get to right now. Wow, that's so good. I think that's so deep. I think that's so true. I think that that's where that's the point where I was at, you know, just I hit all my goals, like my little dream life that I wanted. And I got there and I was like, is this it? Is this all there is to life? And I think that's so incredibly true. And also what we were, what you were talking about before, just us like talking about like our insecurities. I think that is very cathartic, like you said, and also just very helpful to like the younger guys as well who have, who don't have the accomplishments yet, who, uh, who like have the goals and haven't reached their goals yet to see that even like the people that have like reached their goals or have the dream life that they want. They also have, like insecurities and negative feelings that they think about as well. I want to share something that has been very uh, interesting for, for me is learning, wanting this strong desire to cook and sew. And it just has hit me in the past like couple of weeks, how mm. strongly I want to do all those things. And uh, my grandmother's a seamstress. And I started to link the, the fact that I wanted to spend more time with her because it's limited Cause I used to be like, Oh, family is just family. But now I'm like, Oh my God, it's so precious and cooking like those traditionally like feminine things, not what guys do or mm-hmm. stuff like, I'm like, who cares? That brings me immense joy and this level of focus that, you know, s- career stuff cannot come near because yeah. I mean, my partner now, she, uh, she has two children that she has two daughters that are not, you know, my children, but they've been teaching me a lot about, like, I let them put makeup on me because that's just something they want to do. That's a precious moment in life that before I would have been like, fuck that, dude, that's, that's stupid. That's lame. You know, now I'm like, I totally want those moments for the rest of my life, you know, because they involve other people and it feels good in my body, even though I'm like, it's kind of weird to say that to some people. Yeah. I think one big takeaway from our talk today is listening more to my body, being more in tune with my body. I'm very curious. Like, are there any like books or like courses that you guys like recommend for that kind of thing? Or how do you, how do you get more in tune with your body? How do you listen to your body more? I, I don't know any books, but you know, not to go back to psychedelics or things like this, but you know, for me, I, I smoke weed every day, but there's a certain amount of cannabis where it'll start making me feel uncomfortable or paranoid or things like that. So now what I like to do is, and I think you said you like listening to Joe Rogan, right? So I'll I'll, I'll take like a super fat, like bong rip and then eat a really big edible. That's probably like twice as much as I should take. And then I'll go lie down. I'll go lie down. Um, if I have a float tank, I'll go to a float tank, but usually I'll just okay. lie on my tempur bed and, you know, I'll just close my eyes and just try to feel. And sometimes that feeling gets super duper strong and uncomfortable. And I just remind myself, like, this is a feeling, surrender to it. Don't try mm. to fight it and accept it for what it is, right? And much of my life, I I never thought I was a control freak, probably because I smoked so much weed and everyone thought of myself as like this easygoing stoner. But inside, I was like controlling everything. Like, all right, you take four puffs, 
you could still be social. Once you get to five puffs, then you start becoming like a mute. Like I had all these things in my head, like yeah. all these rules. And what I came to realize was if I just let my body feel what I want to feel and don't suppress it, then, you know, as corny as it sounds, you know, everything just seems to work out. So I guess my word of advice is, you know, the next time you feel an uncomfortable feeling, instead of trying to control it or suppress it, just allow yourself to feel it. Ask yourself, what is this feeling? How does it make me feel? Why am I feeling this? And I think Brandon can answer this a lot better than myself because he's been going through some stuff with his dad where he had to And maybe there's a good segue for you to talk about how you dealt with that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we're talking about the fulfillment thing, mm-hmm. like, you know, you reach your goal. Well, my goal originally was to like, get my dad to notice me, right? Like, show me that I'm a man. Dad. And he, after a bunch of, after heart surgery, he had to, an, a car accident and he had brain surgery and then he had a stroke and he couldn't like, this was all in March of this year. And so his whole entire life changed and that switched all of like, I kind of knew that my goal in my mind was to impress him. But then now that was out the door because I'm like, well, shit, like my whole entire life that I built around this idea of getting someone's approval was gone. And I had to go through the grief of being like, dude, I don't know what to fucking do with myself. And I, I couldn't do anything productive. I had to tell people, no, I can't do this. And without reason, people would be like, well, what's, what's wrong, Brandon, and blah, blah, blah. And I like, and I just, like, I couldn't tell him, hey, man, you just got to politely fuck off, dude. Like, I cannot explain it. These are feelings because they're used to this idea of me being free-flowing and accomplishing things. And even, like, my weightlifting practice has completely changed. So it was like I was in this cocoon, of, and I just had to feel every single day, and all of them would change at a moment's notice. Like, I just couldn't schedule anything. And that was very difficult for someone who, like myself and him, I have to schedule a lot of stuff because I'm in control. And then all of a sudden, I got wiped away because, you know, my dad couldn't speak. He couldn't, he's barely speaking now, but like that completely shifted how I treat everyone now because death is always kind of knocking on our door. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, Chris, you know, like as Brandon was talking, I was just like trying to scramble in my mind, what's a good way to answer this? And ultimately what it comes back to for me is that, You know, I think that there needs to be a certain amount of life experience that you have. You know, it sounds like you're at that inflection point right now where you're like, oh, man, you know, I've done all these things. I've checked off all these boxes. You know, why am I not like feeling that like super awesome feeling that, you know, I was expecting to feel. And I think there's two two parts of that. Number one is, you know, Brandon and I, you know, we've talked about. Is there anything wrong with just being average? No, there's nothing wrong with being average, you know, if you could be average and happy, that's a great place to be than successful and unhappy. And ultimately, you know, for me, like I've, I've understood the concept of listening to your body or feeling your feelings more for a long time. And I, I, I think it was, you know, the desperation of trying to make sure that my marriage would work that really pushed me to to not suppress those things. You know, had I not been married, you know, I think I probably would have just been like, okay, fuck it. You know, like I'll just go meet some other girls and I don't need to address these things. So I think a lot of it, you know, as we talk this out, Chris is, you know, I think everyone listening 
fundamentally probably is agreeing with us on some level about like, yeah, yeah, there's just some things that I don't want to feel. But until they make the commitment to themselves, like I'm going to allow myself to have these feelings, you know, the the suppression could be very subconscious. I know at least for me, you know, I never was like, okay, here comes some negative emotions. I don't want to think about it. Think about something positive. It was always, all right, here it comes. And then just the machine in my head of spinning things to the positive would just kind of just be on autopilot, right? So it was almost like a conscious decision, like, here it comes. Don't do your normal pattern of looking at the brighter side of things and just being brave enough to allow yourself to feel those things. And I remember texting Brandon during those times, like, how are you doing? And usually he would be like, great. And then this time he was like, I'm sad. And, you know, I don't want to hang out and I'm just going to allow myself to feel sad. And for many people, you know, like, you know, there's always uh, 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 caveats to every rule, right? Like if you're in that phase too long, then you could become depressed, right? Yeah. And all you do is think about that. So I think there is a happy medium, but as Asian men who tend to suppress feelings, you know, I would say that we should allow for more of that. And, um, and even if it does seem like it puts you in a negative headspace, you know, you should love yourself enough, give yourself enough latitude to feel that way. At least for me, I know that when I was feeling that way, I automatically thought, okay, I'm no longer a type A or alpha male. I'm just a beta male. And, you know, no one was ever telling me these things. These were just stories in my own head, right? So I just really think that whoever's listening, they probably all fundamentally have some inkling of what we're talking about. We just all need to be brave enough to allow ourselves to to have those feelings. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even me, I, you know, just having this conversation, it's, it's really changing kind of my thinking about the negative feelings that I experience and just trying to full more fully embrace those kind of feelings rather than just kind of like push them away. And also like, what, uh, are you still doing meditation? I feel like a lot of what you're talking about, like, that's what they say about like meditation can like help you with that, like kind of just like see the feelings that are coming up in your body more, like being able to like see them more clearly and trying to embrace them. Are you still meditating? Uh, Yeah, I have a, uh, I meditate uh, the first thing in the morning and then the last thing I do when I go to bed. Um, Sometimes it's just five minutes. Sometimes it's a half hour, you know, Mm -hmm. but I always try to at least practice a little bit of it. And you're right. You know, uh, once I realized meditating wasn't like just clearing your mind, but it was being able to focus it on what you want it to focus on and not focus on the things you don't want to focus, it became a much easier practice for me. And even with emotions, you know, I realized like, you know, you are not your emotions either. You, I can almost watch them from the third person like, okay, Saba was feeling these things. It's a chemical reaction. Maybe it's oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin mixing in some weird way. And then it also goes, you know, so it's given me this ability to, you know, almost look at myself in the third person. And ultimately, you know, how I arrived to that was doing psychedelics, you know, and psychedelics was the first time that really brought me out of that and also put me into this flow state. And I think of meditation as being in flow. 
when I'm doing sports that I really love, surfing, jujitsu, things like that, I think of it as active meditation. And anytime you could get out of your head and just into being, I think that um, you're going to have just much more like happiness and joy and fulfillment in your life. Yeah. Brendan, are you into meditation as well? Uh, I would say I have different ways of meditating. Um, okay. I do a lot of movement meditation because I'm great with people sitting. That's just not me. And I tried to do that for a long time. I can do it, but uh, I'll do what's called a standing meditation. Okay. And I'll actually put my body uh, through a task, like just holding my arms out straight to the side so that it purposely brings up negative emotions. And then I get to study them. Because, you know, when you're under uncomfortable, like holding a plank or something, you should feel burn yeah. in your legs. It's very yeah. Eastern Tai Chi kind of training. It's sort of like I have to elicit that on purpose. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, like it stops my mind from wandering on purpose and it focuses me on the discomfort. I also mm. take cold showers to bring me to my body. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I love you do? cold showers. Yeah. Oh, I, it stops my brain instantly, maybe for you too. And um, I have to purpose. I know my mind is so tricky. And I have to put it in these situations where it's like, eh, and it can't be on. Yeah. So that's my form of meditation. Sable, have you tried cold showers? Uh, I, ever since Brandon started doing them, I have been trying them too. I yeah. am the biggest wuss when it comes to them. I, I maybe I can do like one or two seconds and then I'm turning it back up to something a little bit more okay. um, palatable or not palatable, um, uh, uh, agreeable with my skin. But yeah, I'm definitely... Um, I'm that same guy who is the last guy in the pool because I'm like, is it 70 degrees? Okay. Like I, I needed a certain temperature. But yeah, yeah, I definitely see the value in it. And as Brandon says, it does shock you to the present. Like once that cold water hits my skin, I'm out of my head. I'm, I'm in my body for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I really love cold showers. I think it's, that's been an awesome thing for me. It really just wakes you. It also makes you feel really good like after you're done. How did you, you find out great. about them? Uh, I think, okay. I think there was this book called the willpower instinct. Mm. And then I think they talk about, uh, just like how to like increase like your willpower. And they say like, you got to do something that you don't want to do like every day, you know? And I think one of the examples was like taking a cold shower just because like right before you take the cold shower, you're like, Oh shit. Like I really don't want to do it. And then you force yourself to do it and so it's like practicing like this muscle like in your head where you just force yourself to do things you don't want to do it and it is like the four-hour work week where eventually it can become such a you know narrow window between like you can time yourself and be like oh man it takes me 30 seconds to psych myself up and then it gets shorter and shorter that gap between like yeah i know it's gonna be uncomfortable oh i'm already moving like i haven't taken hot shower like in probably years now, like okay. I'll put it to warm and I'll be, Mm-mm-mm. I know exactly what I'm doing. Crank it to cold or somebody leaves the shower before me on warm. I'm like, Nope. And it has just become this process where I don't lie to myself. I'm like, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable every single time. It never stops being uncomfortable, but the gap between, you know what I mean? Like it just shortens. Yeah. 
for yeah. sure. Nice. And also, I think uh, like cold showers, they're like really big, like in, I know we were talking about this, but like the pickup community, because like you get that same feeling, like when you want to approach like a cute girl that you like see on the street and you yes. get that feeling like, oh shit, like I'm really scared. And then mm-hmm. you just force yourself to do it. And that's like the same, they say it's like the kind of like the same muscle, like right before you take the oh, cold that's shower. Interesting. That's interesting. So, I you think know, that's I- true. So I'm curious about you, you know, you're, I think, are you like 31 or 32? Yeah, 32. Okay. Okay. So, you know, for someone of your age to kind of figured out your professional career and checked off a lot of these boxes, you know, and you kind of talked, alluded to, oh man, you know, it wasn't the type of fulfillment that you were expecting, you know, what, what have you been doing to figure out, you know, or to try and resolve this within yourself? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've I've uh, been kind of like living like this digital nomad life for a few years, and like I said before, I I would work less than four hours per week on my business. So that's like a lot of time. I would still wake up. I would still try to be like very disciplined and like wake up like very early, like take a cold shower, go to the gym. Uh, but like a lot of like my days, like I would just be kind of just chilling. Like I would just go to like cafes, like have coffee, like read books. I would read tons of books and just like travel the world. But you know, like I'm traveling by myself and, uh, sometimes you meet people that you vibe with in like cities. Sometimes you don't. And so I feel like you can only go to like so many cafes and read so many books and like, Traveling is fun, but then it just kind of gets, it gets kind of old, you know? So I also started to just like, dis started to dislike travel. So I would always like try to figure out, okay, like, what is my next step? Like, what do I want to do? And so like, sometimes I would think about like new businesses. Like I, I knew that like the time when I was hustling on my business, I was like extremely happy because I would be working on my goal, my like dream life. Like I'd be working on that. Uh, but then after I got that, I was like, what is my next thing? So just for a very, very long time, I would just kind of just, you know, just every day do the same thing, cafes, books, chill out. And also like thinking, what's my next move? What's my next move? And, you know, my, my friend had started a podcast like a few months ago. And then I was like, I feel like I should start a podcast too, because, you know, like, I think I know like a lot of entre- other entrepreneurs and I know a lot of like, like people doing like cool, interesting things. And I think I could turn it into like something where I could help other people. And I was like thinking like, what can I help people with? And I was thinking maybe I could help like younger, like Asian guys who are kind of like me who grew up in like America or like Western countries, like kind of had like the same feelings of like stereotypes and like battling like different kinds of things. And that's how this podcast came about, Badass Asian Dudes. Well, that's cool. You know, I think that you, you followed your heart and, you know, I, I, I it's funny because, um, you know, I can't remember whose quote it was, but the success without fulfillment, someone said that was like the, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you in your life. And being able to understand that at an early age, I think, is a beautiful thing. You know, you have the rest of your life to kind of figure out what you want to do. And ultimately, at least for me is, you know, I am a goal oriented person. 
but what I've been practicing and what I've come to realize is more important is, you know, the journey, right? Everyone always says the journey yeah, is more the journey. important than the yeah. destination, right? Exactly. And that was something that like, I intellectually understood, but never embodied. I was just yes. like, all right, all right, well, that's what they say. This is yeah. what I'll say. You know, a smart guy told me this. I'll tell other people this. But now that I'm older, like, you know, like my wife, um, she she's always like, why do you always call an electrician or a plumber? Or I'm just like, well, if I were to do this, that's time taken away from my work. I earn more per hour than it would cost to hire one of these people. So I should just be optimized in doing what I do. Now, what I've come to realize was, man, there is so much like, joy to do something you don't know how to do like fix the plumbing or to fix the electrical unit and it might suck a little while you're trying to figure it out and you might yeah. actually spend more than if you just called a plumber but the feeling that i get when it's done you know it's just like i always say okay so being happy is cool you know like you get someone gives you a gift something great happens you feel happy for a little while and then it dissipates but when you've accomplished something and that level of fulfillment, I feel like that feeling of fulfillment stays with you a lot longer. So now sure. I'm looking for things that make me feel fulfilled. And, you know, I don't think, you know, I think Joe Rogan uses a video game analogy quite a bit. And it's one of my favorite ones. It's once you pass a level, you never want to play that level again because it's easy. You want to go find something more challenging. So now... Yeah. I am like fully engaged when I'm fixing the toilet, fully engaged <laughs> when I'm vacuuming, you know, like, and I'm taking pride in doing all these menial tasks and I'm finding so much joy in them. Um, whereas previously I was just like, it's a waste of my time, right. Okay. To do all these things. And when you could find joy in doing all these simplistic things, then your life no longer is based on hitting goals or hitting milestones. It's just based on living, enjoying, and feeling that feeling that you get by doing those things you do. And I find it to be so much more sustainable than before because, you know, like once I realized I was running a company to either impress my dad or to impress others, then when that was gone, I was like, holy shit, what's my motivation to get up every morning and yeah, yeah, work yeah. this 16 hours, right? Yeah. And then I realized, well, it's like everything else. It's I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to stay focused on it. And if I'm focused on things, then I feel like it's, it's going to be fun. And if it's not fun during that time, at least when I'm done with it, I will look back at that experience of changing the toilet or fixing the electrical unit and feel like this feeling of accomplishment that I would have never had had I not been hands-on doing it myself. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. I feel yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to get to you have to reach your big accomplishments first to like really understand that. But like, even for me, like, I'm really trying to be like present as well and just be very engaged with just like small things. I think that's I think that's so true. That's the secret. Like if, if anybody out there listening is into the Taoism, um, it's, you know, it shows how little we know when people are like, oh, I'm taking out the garbage. That's so unimportant until you realize that taking out the garbage, if you treat it like the most important task in your life, mm -hmm. everything else like that will feel like that. Yeah. It's those mundane things like chop wood, carry water. And then when we stop presenting those things and we're like, oh my God, because how many old people can't do those things anymore? 
You know what I mean? Like they literally cannot chop wood and carry water. Yeah. And when we stop resenting them, I think that's kind of all of us now are like, oh shit, those little things are worth stopping and doing. But like yeah. with full like martial artist focus. Yeah. You know? I think they talk about that in also in the book that I read, uh, Power of Now. I think they talk yep, about yep. Like when you're like washing the dishes, like really like focus on washing the dishes and nothing else. Because like I think most of the time, like for me, like I'm washing dishes and I'm probably like listening to a podcast or something like that. Right. Oh, dude, me too. And you know what? <laughs> um, I have stopped taking my uh, phone out with me when I walk the dogs because okay. I would always be listening to a podcast or some music. And, yeah. you know, now when I walk my dogs, you know, I just have like little conversations with them and I'm there with them. You know, they're smelling the grass. I'm like, does that smell good? Which dog peed here? You know, like, yeah. and I'm just like fully immersed with them. And I, I just found life to be way more engaging that way. And that was also one of the things that I intellectually understood that never really embodied. So, and I do think it takes practice because you're, you're so like, you know, I I can't remember life before this thing. Right. So whenever I'm on board, it's kind of natural for me to just grab it and Mm -hmm. go to some YouTube video about this, that, or the other. But in reality, you know, I think that when we spend time with each other, in the real 3d world and we're fully engaged or even digitally, you know, like, yeah, like I like having, being able to see you because I know you're looking at me and we're both locked in and we're, we're not worried about the grocery list we have to go buy after, or my dog who's standing by the door that wants to take a piss. We're just in flow with each other. And I think that's when the best version of yourself comes out. Yeah. Can I share a story about being in flow with your life? Mm -hmm. So in 2015, I took a leap, I didn't have any money, had a hole in the side of my car door, and I got an internship to study under a master weightlifting coach. And long story short, I got to meet Eckhart Tolle because of that experience. I got to actually go to a retreat and give him a hug. Yeah. The, the guy with the power of now. Like, it just shows you, like, if you actually say yes to these weird pieces of your destiny, like, there's no, I wasn't going to get paid. You know, it was just to simply go, but through the fortunate incident of like meeting people and just being like in, like in love with what I'm doing, people are like, wow, this person's cool. And I'm going to recommend you to this person. And they're like, do you want, you know, like I met Eckhart Tolle's stepdaughter and she invited me out to do this. I was just like, okay, that is just extreme proof of being like present with what you're doing, you know, not anything else, not what people want you to do. Yeah. And that's something I'm, I'm really trying to work on. I think like what you said, Sabo, like not bringing your phone around everywhere. I think that's like, a, that's a big tool, like to like, try to like be more present, you know, because yeah, if yeah. you have your phone, like you're always like checking it or like you always get like notifications and stuff like that. And you're just like, always like glancing at your phone and all that. Yeah. Like I never want to blame the phone, you know, for like society's ills and stuff, but yeah. I do refer to like my phone as like the flow state killer, you yeah, know, yeah, so for sure. before for we sure. hop on, I'm always like, we got to be on airplane mode or any okay. of these things. I don't even want a notification because if anything just kind of like takes me out of it, then I just feel like, you know, yeah. we just didn't give like the best of, of what we could possibly give. And I, yeah. I'm just so, you know, I, I, I'm thrilled because our previous conversation was an awesome one. We get to meet you. And I feel like, you know, what you're doing is so, so important because, you know, even though I myself, like, 
I know I'm Asian, but I feel like I've kind of transcended, like just trying to be like, Hey, I'm this Asian guy that's doing all these things. And I'm just a person. But I also realize that I've had, I'm 42. I've had enough life where, you know, I've gone through all these things. And, you know, if I discovered that group when I was younger, man, it would have just helped me so much to read about all of these different types of Asian guys that are doing these cool things that, you know, are doing them almost unapologetically too. And by having that, you know, I think the number one thing that you're going to get out of this is the community that you're building. And that community that you build is going to be, you know, so fulfilling. And, you know, in all of my studies of happiness, they said the one thing, and this is a, I think it was either Harvard or Yale's conclusion, not my conclusion, but they said there was like so many different things that made people happy. But the two things that showed up the most is that one you feel like you belong to a group. And number two, that group is contributing something to that world. So I think you got those two things checked off. So, you know, you too will be a happy Asian male. Dude, that's freaking awesome. I, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where we are in the future and like how both of our podcasts and communities grow. Like this is seriously awesome. Where, yeah. where can people find out more about you guys? All right. So um, Happy Asian Males um, is our podcast. Um, if you want to find me personally on Instagram, I'm Sabo Hanu uh, or Hanu Labs is our uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook where we met, you know, just search me yeah. Sabo Shen. There's only one of them. For sure. Brandon? Uh, Instagram, uh, Brandon underscore C-H-I-E-N. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N. Uh, you'll get weightlifting education and all the weird psychedelic sex positivity stuff too um, on my Instagram and Facebook. But uh, yep, I try to reach people there and I'm open to DMs and stuff. And yeah, that's where you can find me. That and what about nice. you? Where, 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 where can we find you? You guys can search for my podcast, Badass Asian Dudes, on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any other podcast player. And then also I have a website, badassasiandudes.com. Yeah. And you know what? Like, um, before we sign off, I would love for you to give your definition of what a badass Asian dude is. I, I, I want people to hear it directly from Chris's mouth. You know, you know what, though? I, I'm kind of changing it now, you know, after this conversation. Like, I always, like, kind of, like, thought of, like, the alpha male, you know, like, what we were talking about, like, the super confident, super just, like, alpha kind of guy, but... You know, like I'm, I'm kind of changing it. I don't, I don't know. Like I, I need to think a little bit more about what the badass Asian, like what a badass Asian dude is. You know, I think it's someone that's very just secure. Maybe just like someone very secure and happy with who they are and where they are, like in life. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? I, I'm glad our conversation allowed you to kind of have like this new thing to think about. And you know, just to be clear to everyone out there, if you are a, a type A Asian male, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that that's awesome as well you know but you know type a or alpha male you know in many respects you know it's kind of like there could only be one like highlander right so so what i always like to say is even if you're not that you could still be a badass asian dude and one of the things that i read uh that you wrote that really resonated with me was that you wrote that being a badass asian dude is just doing what you want to do you know and not not doing what you think society wants you to do, what your parents want you to do, what your girlfriend wants you to do, is being your own autonomous person that understands how they feel and then going after that. And that's why I thought 
man, this guy, Chris, he's a cool dude. You know, like at first I thought maybe badass Asian dudes might be a gathering of, you know, these highly accomplished yet still extremely insecure Asian men that just wanted to have a dick measuring contest. Wait, you've had two successful exits? Well, I've had three, you know, and that's never healthy, right? And so I think that building up this community where you could still be a badass Asian dude, if you're a garbage man, if you're a postman, if you're just a good person that understands who you are, you're yeah. a badass Asian dude, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's a great note to end on, yeah. guys. It's been a pleasure. This seriously, I, I think we got to do like more of these. This is no, we do, we, we I'm do. I'm down. I'm totally yeah, down. We got to do this. And all since right. you're the digital nomad and you get to travel, next time you're in San Francisco, let's all get together. I'll take you to my favorite restaurants and uh, let's, let's break some bread together. Let's read right, books sure. in cafes. That sounds. Dude, let's I, do it. That's like the ultimate luxury, right? <laughs> to read in a cafe where no one's bothering you. Yeah. And I may even bring awesome. some of these. Dude, you know, let's some do of these it. mushrooms. Let's do it. <laughs> It's actually dust. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is awesome, guys. We've got to do this on the regular. Yo, what's up, guys? Okay, so that was my episode with Brandon Chen and Sebo Shen of Happy Asian Males. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. I vibe with these dudes so much. These guys are my people. You know, like the things that they're interested in, the things that they love. I'm super into that. So we got to do that again for sure, 100%. Okay, guys, so please share and subscribe. And also, if you want, please leave a five-star review. That'd be awesome. And lastly, join my Facebook group, Badass Asian Dudes. We'd love to have you. Thanks again, guys, and I'll see you guys next week.